As you get a different piece of paper tonight, uh, this one is meant to be small on purpose. Um, so for some of you, or if you're like me too, sometimes I have to look and to read and I have to kind of do this now without my glasses. Um, but I, I, the reason for this is to be small enough to slide into your Bible. It's like a little cheat sheet. And I realize Bibles are all different sizes and stuff. And then some of you are like, yeah, some of you are like, oh no, I've got an iPad or something like that too. Or I've got a, you know, maybe you've got a phone like that. You could, you could snap a little picture of it too. That could be, it could just, basically it's like a little cheat sheet and it's helpful to you, for you to have that. Okay. So come on through. So, um, this one is called presenting the gospel. So remember yesterday, as we kind of walked through this, we kind of concluded and came to that last thing where we're talking about witnessing like Jesus and how Jesus then shows her the savior. He got to the point where he started in the natural realm. He swung it to spiritual uh, he brought conviction using the law, and then he then reveals to her the Savior. Um, as you think about witnessing, you, you really look at Christ, and every time he's sharing the gospel, it's never the same. It's never the exact same presentation. Um, and I've had some people, I've been to even conferences where they're like very biblically-based conferences, and they kind of highlight all the different kind of, you know, evangelism kind of courses and plans and stuff too. And the guy went through this. He actually, I think the workshop was called the ways of the master, um, you know, versus the one that's called the way of the master, you know. Um, so, but the idea was, here's all these different things. But in the end, they said, in the end, what do you really do? In a simple way, you take them to Jesus, you take them to Christ. Now I said, I get that. And once that, and almost like the idea was scrap all the plans and just take them to Jesus. Well, except for that could sound like Joel Osteen too. You know what I'm saying? That could, that could Because in one sense, sure, I get it. You don't need a plan. Um, you do take them to Christ. But there's an element of just, even if you teach someone the Romans road, then in one sense, that is some form of a method or a plan. And I would hope that you don't get stuck in only one method or plan. Um, and there are, I mean, there are many ways. You, you should be able to share the gospel in one verse. Um, you, if you know the verses that you can do that in, you can do the, share the gospel in one verse. But, but you also might have times where you can actually sit down with somebody and actually clearly go through the gospel with them. And you might have a lot of time with them. And so in one sense, we kind of need to be ready for all styles. And again, you get better at sharing the gospel uh, by doing it. Actually, I'm even laughing because the teens have been out the last two days and um, some of them yesterday, you know, th there were some that are introverted and they're like, ah, I didn't talk. And then today, all of a sudden, some of them start talking. And, and again, the more you start doing that, the easier it becomes to an extent, you know. So I would tell you this. I always get nervous. I don't know what it is. Uh, when I start going to spiritual things, I still, I still, to this day, I'm an, I'm an evangelist. But there's an element where my heart starts to beat a little faster and and I'm, there, I'm saying, dear Lord, help me. You know, I don't know what's going to happen. And I don't know how it's going to come out. And you're trying to be clear and smooth. And I would also say this. Sometimes the worst presentations, I feel like they're awful. Like I'm like, oh no, like I, like I did such a bad job. Those are the people that get saved. And then it's like the ones where you're like, you, you feel like it's so clear and it's, and it's so ready. You're like, oh wow, this is going to be. And then you come to the end and say, what are you going to do with Jesus? And they say, I don't think I'm ready yet. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know, you almost got our, yeah. So there's an element, again, it is God's timing. And, and I think God blesses when we just seek to give out his word. 
And so when we seek to just go out of our comfort zone and by faith, we try to reach people. Uh, you'll see God's blessing on that. I even said this. I, I think that churches, as churches are seeking to evangelize in different realms, you'll find that God will bring lost people into your assembly on a consistent basis. It's really interesting how that can happen. And you might, it might not, might not even be like, you know, like you're someone's doing door to door maybe. And it might not even be through that. But somehow all of a sudden, because you are doing something, I think you see the blessing. And I think God uh, supplies that. That's just what we kind of feel like we see on the road with churches, okay? So take this little piece of paper out here, this little uh, purple one presenting the gospel. Because the idea is you come to that last question to people and you say, you know, or the last two, you know, you know, if you were to die, you know, would you go to heaven or hell then because of the laws, remember? And then they say, well, I think I would go to hell. And remember that last question I asked, does that concern you? And if they say yes, then right away, that's like, that's an open door. There's a concern there. So at that point, I want to take them to the scripture. Now, What's the benefit of you taking them to the Bible versus quoting it? Because in many ways, these verses I can quote, but, but what's, why would I, in a sense, seek to scrap quoting and, and take them to the Bible? What, what do you think would be a reason? Someone tell me. Yes, ma'am. It's truth. Yes? They can see it for themselves. Yeah, so you're trying to get the senses involved, and so I'm going to even talk about some of that more. Do what? That was it. Okay, okay, so it's there too. I'm thinking of even another one. Yes, ma'am? Yeah, the source, or I would call, call that authority. Like, in other words, it's really not my authority. Like, I can quote it, but, but I want you to see this is God's authority here. That's, you know, so all of these things that we're talking about draw us back to that idea. So here's what I want to do. I want to teach you, and, and maybe this is so familiar with you, uh, and maybe it's not, but, it, but it's something called the Romans Road, okay, which I think is really simple. Um, go to the book of Romans and find Romans chapter 3, and let's look at verse 23. We're going to walk through this. Over the next couple moments, I'm going to do it fairly quickly. I'm looking at my clock already, and I'm a, I'm a little bit saddened by that. Um, so let me pray and get going. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us now and equip us even better. And um, thank you, God, for what you'll do. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, Romans 3.23, this is a, a very familiar verse. And, um, and I would, if I'm talking to the person, does this concern you? And they say, well, yes, it does. I said, well, then let me show you the answer. Let me show you what God says about all these things. And so I would take my Bible then and take him to Romans 3, 23. And what, you know what I want to do is at that point for me, I would want them to read it. I would say, hey, here you go. I'm going to turn to Romans 3, 23. And then as I find Romans 3, 23, I want to say, hey, you mind reading that out loud for me? Now, the reason why I'm saying, would you read it out loud even too? the benefit of that is that they're going to engage their senses, more senses, as they're reading this. The other thing is, if I haven't read it to themselves, they might be reading the wrong verse. They could be, in a sense, in the wrong chapter. And so I kind of want to know, because that's happened before too, when people have read it aloud. I'm like, oh, you know what? I think that's the wrong one. Hold on. It's Romans 3.23. Okay. Oh yeah, there it is. Okay. Just because, you know, and you're not trying to, you don't want to make them look bad, but you're, you're trying to make sure that they're reading the right one. And so here they are. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
Now, when I say that, it's interesting because as we look at this, here's the real issue. The first thing, number one, is man's problem is, you can guess what it is, it's sin. That's the problem. And the idea here is I want them to understand sin. So as they read this, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's just kind of natural questions. These are kind of some natural questions that are right there. Uh, What do you think sin is? Now, do you have any definitions for sins? Do you guys have a definition for sin? Anyone have one? Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and I think that's uh, probably a a child evangelism fellowship thing in the back in the past. So uh, anything you think, say, or even do that displeases God. So you're actually making it real simple. That's a kind of a child's definition that we do. Uh, You can write this down too. And actually, I I have a little room. If you want to write stuff in there, you can obviously write, you know, you can do that on the back or whatever. But um, so that's one. Can you think of another one? Missing the mark, which is the idea of coming short or falling short. Uh, what's another one? Anything you say or do that breaks God's commands or law. Okay, so it's kind of very similar, and then, but yet breaking God's laws, which actually the biblical even definition is sin is the transgression of the law. So it's when you break God's laws. Now, as you think about all these things, in one sense, I want to make it very personal. I'm talking to the person, and I say, well, have, have you committed any sins? I mean, when you think about breaking God's laws, um, have you ever broken any of God's laws? Yes. What can you think of any specifics, like even in your own life right now, that your sins that you've done? Lying. Okay, lying. And this actually can be a good time to go through those questions again, like the idea of the, you know, not, hey, remember, you know, one of them is about bearing false witness or lying. And what would you call someone who lies? You call them a liar. liar. Yeah. And I could go through this even more with him now as I'm talking about sins. What are some other sins? And then. Okay, stealing. Okay, so he's kind of going through that list. And, and they could go through all realms. Now, you can even sin with your mind. and So, too, so I, I'm talking to him. I want him, though, or her to personalize the sin. So, in other words, okay, if it says that all have sinned, does that mean everybody? Like, does that mean I've sinned? Oh, you know, they'll say, yeah. You know. <laughs> does that mean, like, your pastor has sinned? <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's all have sinned. And they've all come short. They've all missed the mark, as we kind of consider that. If you think about the idea of falling short of the glory of God, that's kind of a, ooh, how do, where do you go from there in one sense? But I would say, in one simple way, is I, I'll tell the person, you know, where, where does God live, according to Scripture? He lives where? In heaven. And if God in all of His glory is there, and His heaven is perfect and pure, and yet we've all sinned, we've fallen short, we've come short, we can't make it. Uh, if I'm talking to a teenager, I might want to use an illustration here. These are great times to illustrate. So here's a teenager with a basketball. And I say, hey, man, do you think you can make a free throw? And he goes, oh, yeah, I can make a free throw. I said, okay, uh, let's say we take the, um, the basketball goal and we, and we stick it in Jacksonville, okay? And you shoot it from here. Can you make that free throw? And he goes, oh, no, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to miss. I'll come short every time. Yeah. Yeah, this, this is our problem God is so holy, we do miss the mark. And again, if I'm talking to a guy, hey, do you hunt ever? Have you ever bow hunted? You know, and I'll start talking to him about, and maybe using something, kind of an illustration that can help him even see it better, even a kid, to see it better even with a a child. So the first thing you're really trying to help them see is sin. Have you sinned? And, And actually, what's the big deal? Now, 
to help navigate in the scriptures for you with this, there's an element where you can take right there beside Romans 3.23 in your Bible, and you can actually put 6 colon 23. In other words, if you, and I would almost, I would encourage you to probably underline Romans 3.23, you know what I mean? Or have a high, highlight it. So it's there. And then beside it, 623. Why? Because if you know how to get to Romans 323, in one sense, every next passage you take them to, if you've got the little mark there beside it, you can, it's like you're cheap. You know, like, oh, okay, next one, next one, next one. It's right there. It's like easy. If you have a brain fog, it doesn't matter. It's right there. You know, you can just find Romans, you know, 323. Um, I used to do this in one sense and have something not like this, but just in the white piece of paper that held the Bible together in my little, a little New Testament that I would get a kind of soul winning with, I would just put it there. So it's kind of the same idea, but the, I didn't have to now go back and forth and look. I can just look at Romans 3.23 and see 6.23. So take your Bible now, go to 6.23. And so I turn it there. And again, do you mind reading this? This verse 2, you know, it's Romans 6.23. And so then they read this. For the wages of sin is death. And I'll, and I'll stop there. I mean, they might read the whole verse, but, but the gift, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ or in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And again, uh, with this, the wages of sin is death. So the idea here is the payment for sin is, and I want to, before I kind of say it to you, it's, you notice there's two blanks there. I want you to see what's the opposite or the contrast in the verse. What's the contrast of um, uh, death, it's eternal life. And you see that right underneath it. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So reality, this is not just talking about just a sense sort of dying. It's talking about eternal death. That's the, that's the contrast even within the verse. It's contrasting death and eternal life, which is then eternal death and eternal life. I just want to help them understand what does it mean even with death. So as I look at it, I would say this, the payment for sin is eternal death. That's serious. Like that's really serious. It's not just that you're going to die one day, but, but there is a judgment before God. And, and you could say death in one sense is separation, isn't it? It's when the body and the soul is separated, but you'll live somewhere for all eternity. And then the wages of these sins is death. I think the question is sometimes is what is a wage? Now, if you're an adult, you should know what a wage is, okay? But I say this because have you ever presented the gospel to a, to a kid? I mean, think about this for a minute. Most kids don't have hourly wages. So they, they've never had a job in a sense. And so I kind of have to help them understand that. And so what is a wage? And you'll look at a little kid and they're going... Oh, and you're over there going, but the wages of sin is death. And they're like, <laughs> they don't know what you're talking about. And so at this point, I'm like, okay, so what is a wage? Actually a wage. What's another synonym for wage? Okay, payment. It's like you said, kind of like what you earn, or what you, what you say, earnings or something like that, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's the idea that, that because of what you've done, you, you deserve something. So I would say even in a normal way of a wage, I would describe to even to a kid, I say, hey, what if I invite you to 
my ha my trailer. I don't know my house or whatever. And and I had a yard and there was a bunch of sticks in there. And I said, hey, listen, I'll you pick up all the sticks in the backyard and uh, I'll pay you ten dollars for per for hour for the hour that you do that. That would be your wage, your payment. Now the payment though for the things that we do wrong, the sin, is what? And they say, well, it's death. Eternal separation from God. That's serious. Actually, even notice there too, like the idea is what is death? We're talking about eternal separation from God. Why do we deserve it? Because we've sinned against God. This is so serious. And this is why you need to be rescued. And again, at this point, I want them to be able to see the sin. I, I've, I've taken even kids sometimes as they're starting to get a glimpse of, of somewhat the gospel. I've had some kids tell me they've never sinned before. You know, I say, have you ever sinned before? And they say, no. You know, and I'm like, liar! You know, that's the thing. And I'm like, well, you know, I tried to explain what some sins I, I even told the kid. I, you know, one of, one of the sins is, is lying. Have you ever lied before? And the kid looked at me and he goes, uh, nope. And I'm like, oh, I said, are your parents here? He said, my mom's here. I said, if I were to ask your mom if you've ever told a lie, what would she say? He goes, mm. <laughs> maybe one. You know, and I'm thinking, oh, liar still. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, but the reason, and I'm going to bore in with a kid like that, I'm actually going to bore in pretty hard on sin because that's, that's like a kid can be, it can be quick to sin, in a sense, almost like believe or trust something. But if they don't even understand sin, they can't be saved. They need to come to grips with that. And so there's this element of, well, this is why we deserve it, because we sin against the holy God. And so the payment of our sin is death. But, praise the Lord, the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus our Lord. So in one sense, you could say, number three, Jesus paid our fine. I mean, I tell them the gift of God is what? And then sometimes they say, heaven? Well, no, no, what does it say there in the scripture? And they look at it again. Oh, the free gift of God is eternal life. Yeah, it's eternal life. And how do you get it? Well, um, you get it um, in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Yes. It's, it's what, what did Jesus do for you? What did he? And I begin to walk them through Christ, the life of Christ. Even, even when we talk about his, his virgin birth and just the prophecies of him. And then he does all these miracles to show who he is. And, and then his message is repent and believe the gospel. That's the message of Christ. And so it's repentance and faith. And, and so there's an element of a sin problem. And so as I begin to kind of see this, Jesus did this. He paid our fine. Um, actually, even within this, can, that can help. It depending on if I'm dealing with someone who's works-based, can you think of any other helpful verses that might... I mean, this here does say the free gift of God. And what do you do with a gift? I use this as an illustration often. You know, with a gift, you've, you, you can either... If, you're, if it's your birthday and I offer you a gift, you, well, you can do one of two things. You could say, thank you, and take the gift, or you could be like, no, thank you. So there's an element of the same kind of idea. It's a free gift. You don't pay for that. Grandma, how much was that? That was really expensive. Here, let me give you the money for my birthday present. You know, no, grandma would be like, psh, psh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, so you don't pay for that. So that's helpful to understand the free gift. But, but what are other verses? Can you think of any that we can just kind of quote real fast? Yes, ma'am. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved. It's through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. Why? Lest anyone should boast, you would boast about it. 
Uh, Titus 3, 5. Or 3, 5, and 6. That's another one that's pretty popular. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, have he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. So you have, you have verses like that. There's others, but you might want to put those in your little cheat sheet. And then remember, beside Romans 6, 23, that at that point, Romans 5, 8. Put 5, colon 8. And they go across the page at this point. Hey, would you read this one as well? And so then they, they read, but God shows his love for us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, I, I say this and, and there's, you know, at this point, what did Jesus do? Well, for one thing, you could say this clearly, that God loves you. He, he proved it through his death on the cross. Even though you are still sinners, you're still a sinner. Christ died for you. you. You see this. He died for us. That's amazing. And again, if you, it depends on, you may go like, Jeremy, I love the King James. You know, like you might say that and I'd say, great, you know, and, um, but when you come across certain words, if they're in, you know, like, but God commendeth his love toward us. Well, what does that mean? When's the last time you used commendeth in a sentence? Never, unless you used it there. You know what I mean? And so what does it mean? It means he demonstrates or shows and so you're really trying to give clarity as they begin to understand the scripture and see it for themselves. And then even beside that, I would put then Romans chapter 10 and verse uh, 13 and verse 9. So go there. And again, you're, you could just probably put one of those and you'll be in the right target there. And in one sense, what's, what am I going to teach them with number five? That you must turn from your sin. And trust in Jesus as your Savior and Lord. And you might say, well, why would you say Lord? And I'd say, well, uh, let's look at the passage. And maybe you'll see why I'm saying that. But in Romans chapter 10, in one, time, in one sense, verse 13, I'll have him read verse 13. I like to have him do that first sometimes just because it says this. For anyone or everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I say, do you think you just go kind of go like, uh, like Lord, and, and you're saved? Or do you think there's more to it than that? And they say, I, I think there's more to it than it's than that. Yeah, okay. Let's look at it further or better. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Um, even if you had the idea of confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Well, what is to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus? Well, Jesus is Messiah and Savior in a sense, and yet the Lord, he is the sovereign one. This is the Lord Jesus. And literally translating that in a row, it is actually Jesus is Lord. So when you look at this, you see, because if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, which who would do that? That's a, that's a heart that has turned from sin to the Messiah, that's a heart saying, I want my sin because he's actually my Lord. And you see even the whole idea of salvation here because if you would confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're talking about the death, burial, and resurrection. We're talking about that Christ, he, he rose from the dead. He conquered sin, death, and hell. And yet he wasn't dying on the cross for his sins. It's for your sins and my sins. 
So when they begin to understand that, they see the reality of this. Consider what it even says. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Why? Because you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Notice verse 10. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Remember the other scripture that says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So it's saying this, if you really believe this in your heart, what will you do? You'll confess Christ as your Lord with your lips. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He's my King. And you're humbling yourself that way. And as you begin to see even that even further, he then even says this. He goes on to say in verse 11, the scripture says, for everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there's no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So at that point, as they seem to grasp this, there's some of these questions maybe. What does it mean to really call upon the name of the Lord? Kind of walk them through that passage. And I'll say this, have you ever done this before? Has there ever been a time in your life where you've not only understood it here, but down here and responded to the gospel? And in one sense, would you like to give your life to Christ now? I'll, I'll want to ask them the question, well, are you, would you be willing to do that even now? I can't make you, but is that something where God's working in your heart? And at this point, you're saying, I do want to repent, and I do want Christ as my Savior and my Lord. I do want to, to call upon His name. And some might look at you at that point and go, mm, I don't know if I'm ready. Can I tell you, I would far rather them be honest and say that and pray for them afterwards and then even say, hey, just so you know, my prayer didn't save you. And I want you to know that I'm always available. And man, we need to talk about this again. Um, then to force something where someone's just kind of like trying to get you off their back. Because if it's not for real, what's the point? And so I'll tell them even those things. And I'll tell them at the very end, here's the, here's the whole point. You can do one of two things. You can either accept them or you can reject them. And so my question to you one more time would be is, what are you going to do with Christ? And if the person says, I want Christ to be my Savior and Lord, I, I do want this to be saved. All right, well, then let's do what the Scripture tells you to do. Call upon His name to be saved. You know, you can do that just by praying and crying out to the Lord. It's, and, and, um, and so I, I kind of steer them that way. And I, I encourage them to even pray out loud because that's helpful. If, if I'm praying with somebody and they say, you know, dear Lord, and thanks for the today is a good day. And give me another good day tomorrow, and they finished praying, I realized they didn't understand at all. Like, and that was then, where, did, where was the disconnect? And so sometimes it's helpful to have them even pray out loud, but the idea is, if it's really from their heart, and they can do that wherever. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be in a church service. If God's word in your heart, you, you could be sitting here right now, you're hearing this, and the very scripture and God's word is convicting you. You could do this now. You could, in your heart, just bow your heart in before the Lord and say, dear God, I don't want my sin, but by faith I am repenting and I am trusting in you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I'm calling out to you to be saved. And the scripture says, whoever does this, well, they'll be saved. What a, what a blessing. I don't know if you've ever had an opportunity to, to win someone to Christ or lead someone to Christ. Um, we plant seeds, we water, but guess who's in charge of the increase? It is him, it's God. And I tell people sometimes as an evangelist, I'm preaching through messages and I'll say, hey, guess what? I'm going to tell you a secret. And I'll say, I'm actually an evangelist and I can't save anybody, you know? <laughs> and the joke is kind of like, well, then you're a loser evangelist. And I'd say, well, no, I can't. And neither can you. If you save them, they're in trouble. 
Only, only he can save them, but we can be part of that and praise God that he can use us. And so I'm just trying to help give you a little bit of stuff to kind of help equip, excite you, encourage you along the way. And my prayer is that God will use you. Uh, who knows? The thing about an army like this going out and, and about and telling people and sharing the gospel, I mean, it's, it's so much better than just one person doing this. And God's called us all to do this. So may God help us. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done. I pray that you'll bless this concert message to follow. Lord, we, we desire to love you with all of our hearts. Lord, help us work in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.